Welcome to Sound and Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Sound and Vision is supported by the New York Studio School. The school welcomes artists to join virtual intercession marathons this November 11th through November 15th. Rigorous and immersive, these five-day marathons meet from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time over the course of a weekend and present an extensive range of art-making strategies, comprehensive critiques, and inspirational discussions. Propelling artists to relate to drawing, painting, and sculpture as direct methodologies for understanding one's experience in the world, their profound impact continues far beyond each marathon's conclusion. The virtual format enables artists to join from any location. Visit nyss.org to apply today. Sound and Vision is also sponsored by Golden Artist Colors. For my current show up in Tokyo at Maho Kubota Gallery, all those paintings were made with golden acrylic mediums and golden artist acrylic colors. It wouldn't have been possible without it. They make, in my opinion, the best paints out there. Not only do they make acrylic paints, they make core watercolors and Williamsburg oil paints. You can check them out at your local art store or online at goldenpaints.com. You know who else keeps it moving in the studio? Fulcrum Coffee Roasters. Fulcrum makes amazing coffee, and you can head over to their website at fulcrumcoffee.com and check out their subscriptions. They have an amazing variety that you could choose from and have coffee delivered to your house every month. Everything from light growth subscription to espresso to all brands, single origin. They even have a sunset subscription, a jazz alley night subscription. It's a really cool curated coffee experience that can be delivered to your door. And you can get a discount by adding the code Alfred Studio whenever you check out from the website. Fulcrum Coffee Roasters from Seattle. Check them out. Ani Bharadwaj, better known as Weird Inside, is a musician and animator born in 1998 in New York and has spent most of his life in Bridgewater, New Jersey. He grew up singing South Indian classical music and discovered electronic music at the age of 12 and started trying to make his own at the age of 15. Other than music, he also creates in many other forms of media, including animation, digital art, and film and video. He attended the California Institute of the Arts, better known as CalArts, in experimental animation for two semesters before leaving to pursue a career in music and freelance media. His music has achieved tens of millions of plays on Spotify and much more on other platforms as well. I spoke to Ani about animation, singing and instrumentals, New Jersey, sonic experimentation, inspiration, and much more. And the track you're hearing behind me right now is his music. Here's Ani and I in conversation.
Well, so you're doing animation and music, which is a double whammy. Yeah. I mean, does that, <laughs> does that do you just have to like max out processor? Yeah, it's it's pretty much just processor and uh, just make sure that I got like a really nice solid SSD and that's pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I kind of, since I use Macs, I, I, I don't geek out on optimization just because you, uh-huh. you kind of don't. You just get what they give you. you know? Right, exactly. Whereas PC world is like a whole different thing. But my son is got a PC and he's into gaming and stuff. So oh, And he nice. does film stuff. Nice. So he built a computer on, like he, well, we bought him the parts, but it's crazy, like the stuff you can do now. Yeah, it's like... It's really just like, you know, when you go to an Apple store, you're like, oh, cool, you know, the best of the best, the new of the new, I'll just take it off the shelf. It's like getting, you know, a burrito from Taco Bell versus getting one from Pinteros. You get to build it out, you know, right, right. pick all the Good ingredients. Analogy. Pro move on that analogy, <laughs> bring it to the food. <laughs> but yeah, it is like that, I, I think. And and when he was talking about, you know, the, the G, oh God, what was it? I need these processors and all this stuff. And, you know, and I just, it was all Greek to me, you know, I just uh, yeah. didn't understand it. And he was getting so irritated. He's like, it's, <laughs> no, it's this, it's the GS300X, <laughs> not the Z, you know, it's so yeah. hard to keep. Come on, dad, of course. <laughs> <laughs> are you, so, but I mean, are you up to date on that? Do you have to be with, cause you know, like animation. Yeah. I, I haven't recorded a ton of music recently, only like basic things, but uh-huh. Um, you know, I, I animate. That's a big part of my work, and I'm, oh, awesome. you know, I do it all the time. So it's just a beast on a computer. Like it takes so yeah, much. It's of absolutely everything. yeah. It's way too taxing. Way more taxing than it should be. I think. But yeah, you know, I I don't know. I I think I'm like up to date enough. It's like one of those things where I I like computers. I love computers. My mom actually um, is a software developer. So oh, nice. at a young In age. House. Yeah, she she got me um, into computers and uh, like helped me build my first one when I was a kid, and yeah. it was like a great experience. And I you know have carried that through my whole life, uh, thankfully, because now I have to you know build my own and keep it up to date. Right. But um, I think now it's kind of devolved into one of those things where like I'll know the least that I can know to just keep myself in touch with it and keep it going. Right. The ground floor level. Yeah, it's it's like when I travel to certain places, like the least amount of the language you need to know to just like food related and bathroom related. Exactly, like the one minute conversation is yeah. all you need, and that's it. That's all you need. Like yeah. I'm not gonna go learn Mandarin. No, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I'll try to get enough to yeah. maybe like you know order something or absolutely yeah. Tell just them a vegetarian. Sure, yeah, make sure you can eat. You know, yeah. get places, and that's it. Now, sorry, it's gonna. I'm gonna geek out a little bit because you know, for I speak to a lot of artists and we talk about music. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge music person. I love music, and awesome. obviously, you know, art is what I do. But you know, um, so you're living between both worlds in a really great way, and I think that's, you know, this is the perfect wheelhouse for what I'm usually talking about in here. And I'm gonna geek out a little bit, especially with the animation stuff. So, do you split? Do you have like the separation of church and state with like how you're doing the animation stuff and the music stuff as far as like producing it? Kind of. Um, I think the two go in tandem more often uh, than I'd like to admit because you know I 
really, you know, love to just sit down and like zone in on projects and treat them with their own significance. But recently it's been more difficult to do that without thinking of the other thing as well. Yeah. So, um, at my desk right now, I have my music computer and then to my right, I have a tablet that I draw on and more often than not, I'll find myself, you know, getting bored with the idea that I'm making either musically or visually jumping to the other thing and realizing, wait, these two actually have a lot to do with each other. Why don't I combine them? Right. Um, and so instead of just separating, you know, the way in which I've been making both of them, it's more like this, it turns into this cohesive idea against my own will kind of. Right. So, so you've, you're using them to fuel each other in a way. Yes. Which is like, you know, in my, in my work, you know, there's kind of like, it's not so split, but you know, I do paintings and then animation, uh-huh. and I feel like when I'm had just enough of the painting stuff, I'll turn to the animation, and that'll open up some doors in my mind to bring back into the 2D stuff, or like the analog. You know what I mean? They kind of yeah. feed each other in a right. way. And I think, you know, sometimes if you put all your eggs in one basket, you could just get stale. You it's know? tough, yeah. You get burnt out. It, You know, things become like, oh, I've seen this before. Like, why am I even doing this? Right. And... That's honestly a big reason that I got into animation is because I was just doing music for a while and it just, it got to the point where I was like, I've been making this stuff and there's like nothing to go with it and I have like way more to say, but sound wise, like with my current skill set, there's only so much that I can convey. Yeah. So I turned to animation because I was like, this is something that I also can do and it helps me create like a bigger picture kind of. Right. The thing I notice is it seems like the animation stuff that you're doing brings a narrative element that maybe, like, I'm sure you can get it. I mean, there's there's some, there's a lot of instrumental, you know, it's a mix, but I feel like the music is painting more of a a vibe sort of picture. Right. It's, it's less of the specific of a narrative, but in the animation, naturally, unless you're working completely abstract, which you're not, you're using representation there's a narrative there that's playing out that exactly it's interesting to even if you've never combined your music with the animation you would still one would still put together your visual thoughts in an animation way and then think about the music and be like oh so maybe that song is trying to get the feeling of those emotions that are playing out in the song even if you're not i guess exactly like someone would see both of them and be like oh it all makes sense i kind of get it right so, I wonder, I mean, do you do you kind of expect people to do that within it? Or do, are you okay with it living in its own world if people don't know the other side? I think, and this is something that I've kind of struggled with, especially because I don't like writing lyrics. Yeah. Um, I'm horrible with words. <laughs> um, uh, but early on, I was like, man, I really want this music to say something. Like, I want this specific thing to come through perfectly clearly I want everybody to know that this is what it's about and a lot of the feedback that I would get would be oh I felt this way about it I felt this way about it and then you know I was I was very young at the time I was like 16 or 17 and I quickly realized like you know this is not like English this is not like uh, German this is not a language that just says you know close to what you want to say it's it's a uh, you know it's art and uh, you know what I'm saying is probably obvious to other people who have studied art and made art, but 
it, it definitely is something to get over that nobody is going to see what you make as you see it. And so, although it'd be cool, you know, it'd be awesome if uh, people were to, you know, digest that all and be like, ah, oh, yes, I perfectly understand this world that he's creating. Um, it's definitely not something that I, you know, think is going to happen all the time. Yeah. It, it's tough, though, because at that age, you can, I mean, people make music at a young age. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And people who are generally making art when they're 15 or 16, I mean, they know it. I knew it. It's not there. You know what I mean? It's, there's, it's a different thing. But yeah. with music, it's like you can tap in. I feel like you maybe can more somehow get closer to the feeling. And it's tough. Like at that age, too, you just want people. I don't, I don't know. Like I feel like in your teens at that point, no one understands you. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. No matter what. Yeah, exactly. No matter what, no one's going to understand. I mean, that's why punk, like all that stuff, you know. Yeah pushing back no matter what it is in music it's so it works so well with music and it also is so primal and and apropos that's why so many kids who start to play in bands at that age because it's like you guys don't understand i'm just gonna like you know do this right this is my way of saying it to the world yeah i feel like art is a way of getting out your your voice in a way but it's it's way less primal yeah in a sense of like catharsis, you know exactly. what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Although animation is different too, I guess, because the narrative plays out. That's like more like film, really, right? Than two dimensional or you know static art. Yeah. But how did it all start? So, so your mom was into computer or computers. She was a tech person. Yes. I mean, where's all the creativity coming from? Um, she so. When I was uh, maybe like three or four years old, um, she got me into singing classical Indian music. And okay. I have my own gripes with that. It's like, you know, I'm like thinking back now and I was like, wow, that was, you know, a real... Because classical Indian music in and of itself is not a very creative thing. And I'm probably going to get a lot of hate for saying this, but they're, like, <laughs> it's very, very gatekeepy. Yeah. Um, composition is not encouraged, you know the most creativity you can do is improvisation. So um, when you're singing a piece, it's a lot like classical music where the closer it is to the original, the better it is and the yes. more people are going to appreciate it. And so I spent, I want to say something like 12 years doing that. I did it until I was like 14 or 15. That's a, a good investment of time. I, oh yeah. It was uh, a long, grueling journey. Um, and... I I definitely had a lot of fun. I learned a lot of things, um, but I haven't thought about classical South Indian music in a long time, ever since I stopped. Yeah. And so I think one of the main reasons that I got into making music in the first place is because I was interested in music in a creative capacity, and I don't think I was granted that through that exploration of classical South Indian music. Right, it was just like exercising, basically. Right. Exactly. Like, oh, okay. I, you know, I've, I've gotten the scales down. I've gotten this piece down like to a T, and I can reproduce it just how these people want me to sing it. Great. What's next? Yeah. God, it's like uh, it would be kind of like uh, synchronized swimming or something. Yeah. Versus just like doing cannonballs. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Because your merit is based on you know 
reproducing or you're you're you know exploring or not exploring you're you know producing a representation that's already there you just basically how is your technique right it's kind of like you know if someone when they were two they started painting oil painting and then at the hopes that like 12 or 13 they're doing like rubens and like you know leonardo da vinci paintings right just where and and copying them basically because in classical music it's rote you're doing it off the page basically. exactly yeah you're practicing your ability to show your machine-like nature as a human yeah which is, is insane. It, and i you know i i am very interested in global music from all over the world and i've you know, listen to a lot of different music. I don't know that I know much about classical Indian singing. So is it, is it, is the range deep? You know, is it, diff- is it very difficult? It's, I wouldn't say it's uh, tremendously different from Western classical music uh, in the way that it's structured and, you know, it's performed. Um, in fact, there's a parallel I can draw to jazz where, uh, you know, where you have a jazz standard and then you have to adhere to certain rules, but the basis of a piece being performed is that you have improvisation and that's the key to it. Right. And so with uh, South Indian classical music, obviously, you know, you have different scales, you have a different, like, tonal system, um, one that is not really comparable to Western classical music, but, uh, you know, you do have, like, a chorus verses and then a section of improvisation for most pieces yeah um and so it it kind of exists in its own you know world and i can see that like other forms of music have taken from it and it has also taken from other forms of music which is great but yeah that's pretty much what it is so but there is improvisation in there absolutely yeah Um, so because a lot of classical music has zero exactly yeah like, you know, you go and see someone perform Bach or Mozart and it's just the piece. Yeah, you don't go off on a tangent on the harpsichord or something. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're not riffing out here. Jamming. Yeah. Um, but I think it's de-emphasized so much to a point where, you know, you do see someone perform and it does last for a, a large duration of the piece, more so than, you know you would expect for something that is so tightly held. But uh, I think what drove me up a wall was um, not being able to compose everything. Like, right. you you had to adhere to these rules already. Like, oh, you want to sing your own stuff? All right, sing this piece, and then you get to have, like, a few moments of joy at the end there where you get to do whatever you want. Right. Yeah, a little icing on the cake. Exactly. That's you. <laughs> That's all you get to say, <laughs> you know? So in those moments, did you did that light your fire? Yeah, I thought that was, you know, that was the best part of singing that music for me. And it got introduced to me uh, at a very late stage. So I spent a long time trying to perfect fundamentals. Uh, I would say about eight years in is when the whole improvisation became like a prevalent thing for me. Wow. And I'm very thankful. I had five teachers I think over the course of that time and my last teacher um what like she emphasized this and was like yeah this is a very important part of this music and if you're going to perform it and if you want to continue a career like this you should certainly you know learn how to do this and make sure that you have your own style in this 
And so was it career? Like, were you thinking career? Yeah, I, at that point, I was thinking, you know, this is a great thing extracurricularly for me. Um, I was thinking about becoming a doctor at the time, actually. Um, so I was really into neuroscience, but at the same time, I was like, wow, I really, really enjoy doing this. Um, yeah. I might as well try to plunge, you know, headfirst into it and see where that'll take me. Well, that's uh, that's a significant... I mean, I feel like, you know those kids who start playing tennis when they're like one? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just... They become, they do it, and you don't even know if it's because they really love it or if they just did it. Right. You know, it's like what they know. They're like, well, this is what I do. Yeah, your whole life builds up to that point, and you're like, well, I'm, I'm good at it, might as well, you know? Well, were you doing other stuff too, or was it ba- musically? Um, at that point, no. I just, you know, I had tried playing uh, violin in the same style of music. Um, I played an orchestra in school, but none of those things really enticed me or I, I mean, I guess I, you know, was a lot more partial to singing because I'd been doing it for a lot longer. Yeah. So. I love that it, um, unless I'm wrong, because I don't know the full discography of everything you've done, but I, I feel like there's a lot of instrumental going on. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's funny that yeah, you've very ironic, right? the demons on that <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I, I got it all out between yeah, the ages yeah. of, uh, you know three and 14 and suddenly I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I'm done. I'm like Move on ste- from that. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Stepping back from the mic. Um, I think a big part of me just gravitating towards, um, instrumental music was that a lot of the stuff that I was listening to outside of me singing that, uh, South Indian music was hip hop beats just like you know instrumental beats like i would listen to jay-z really like you know some beat and be like huh i'm just gonna listen to the instrumental because i really want to like appreciate this yeah and so that happened very often outside of me just singing and when i started to make music that was like my main inspiration is just i mean you know instrumental electronic music yeah and not a lot of the stuff that I would listen to had like singing or words on it or, and so it makes sense in that capacity, but it's really funny that, you know, (laughs) I just, I gave up singing in one aspect and didn't try to pursue it in another. Right. Oh, you've had enough of it, I guess. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. (laughs) To some extent. Yeah. Well, what about, what about the visual side? I mean, was that in tandem? Were you drawing as a kid or like, you know, sketching comic books any other or did that come later that was very very uh spontaneous so i had a friend um towards the end of high school uh and this was like at this point in my life i was like deep into just like i'm gonna become a doctor i'm gonna go to med school i'm gonna do research um and then i i I met this girl named amanda and she showed me a bunch of the coolest stuff that I had ever seen up until that point. Cause I was not really like appreciating visual art. I wasn't really into cartoons. Um, and she introduced this whole, whole world to me and I was just fascinated by it. And I was like, wow, you can, you can, I can, wait, I can do this. Like I can actually put pen to paper and draw stuff like this and have these ideas 
and I was I had began making music, but I didn't know that you know I could also do that visually. So right. her introducing all that stuff to me really just changed my outlook on life, and I gave up trying to become a doctor and went to art school instead <laughs> because of her. And yeah. I'm eternally wait. So was for this that. like high school? Is this before you went to college? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this was I want to say like the middle of junior year of high school. Okay. She opened up your eyes. Yeah. Something different. Then you grew up in Jersey, right? Yes. But Jersey's big. So are we, is it like South Jersey? Uh, it was, it's actually smack dab in the middle of Jersey. And I know everyone says central Jersey's not a thing, but if you look at a map and you see where <laughs> Do they, is that a thing? Oh yeah. To say that it's not a thing. If you're from Jersey city or you're from, you know, down South in Jersey, people are like, yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's a myth. Like it doesn't exist. There's like a clear line where no, nothing's there and you know, it's just North or South. But I actually live at the intersection of 287 and 78. So like two major highways that just go through Jersey and it's like an X marks the spot in the middle of Jersey. It's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know that well because I teach in Pennsylvania at Penn State. Oh, wow. I often take 80. Yeah. But occasionally I'll dip down south for whatever reason and do that whole route. Yeah. It's quiet. It is. It is. It's very quiet. Jersey. Jersey is very people don't understand Jersey who aren't from around here. They, you know, they see it as, you know, just like, I don't know, Jersey City or whatever. Or right. Hoboken. Yeah. When there's farms and there's like rural areas and there's, you know, university areas and there's rich area, you know. Yeah. There's plenty of variety here and it's crazy. We really do have, like, I moved to California for two years and mm-hmm. didn't realize like how much diversity I had growing up here in New Jersey. Oh yeah. In Jersey. And just like. Were you in Southern California? Yeah. I was in Los Angeles. Okay. And I was just like, wow, there's like, the green is really green in Jersey, but we also have fall, we have spring, we have winter, you know, not only the seasons, but like you said, you know, there's, there's parts that are rural, there's parts that are urban. It's, it's amazing. It's crazy. And all of it is like within arm's reach, essentially. And you can get over to the city no time if you want to do cultural things like museums and all that stuff. Exactly. But so... Well, wait, how did the uh, the L.A. thing come about? So, um, like I was saying earlier, I decided to go to art school instead of going to med school. Right. And I did um, the same thing. Oh, nice. Fun fact. Very I nice. I started at the University of Pittsburgh in medicine. Wow. And after, you know, a few weeks in it, I realized these other kids are really smart and really <laughs> into it. And I just wanted to skateboard. So, <laughs> you know, I, I got into med school just because I did well in high school science and you know, and they were like, you should apply to that. So I did, but uh, my too. heart wasn't in it. Yeah, same. And I, nothing, nothing reveals itself quicker than being in a room full of like, you know, child geniuses. Oh, yeah. And and being like, I don't, this isn't what I want to do, you know. Right. You feel this fervently about this? Like, right. really? And so uh, that kind of happened to me too. I was in a similar circumstance where like I did pretty well in school and you know, I was just like, this makes sense. You know, I, yeah. if I'm getting these grades, this is like the best path for me to take likely. And, you know, not to stereotype, but as an Asian American, it's just, it's what's expected. Right. Um, and so with, you know, Mandy opening up my eyes to art, I was like, oh cool, maybe I'll apply to art schools. And so I 
applied to a bunch of places, a bunch of places in New York. And one of the places that I ended up applying to that I got into and ended up going to was the California Institute of the Arts, CalArts. CalArts, yeah. And so I went there for a year for experimental animation. Wow, that is a huge shift. Yeah. Like, that's there's art school and then there's like, you know, CalArts animation is a totally different world. Yeah, to be honest, I don't know how I got in because I spent probably six months working on just trying to learn how to draw and animate and it was like a very frantic effort and i'm i've i think i've looked back at the folder that i submitted like a couple of times in recent history and i'm just like what was i doing like this is how do they accept me well Um, hi to be honest though uh, yeah high school applications for stuff you know absolutely i do the portfolio day at the javits center for uh-huh. penn state usually like I'll, I'll go do that and you know it's a sea of like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of high school kids from the tri-state area who come in and bring their portfolios and there are kids who are really good like where you're like oh wow that's amazing and then there's kids with like you know they're th- most of the drawings are the same assignments like self-portrait or whatever right and a lot of them aren't super accomplished or whatever, but sometimes you just see the kid, you just know, okay, this person has it. Like they're yeah. going to, they're going to bring something to this, you know? Right. The ideas kind of shine through. Yeah. Like rarely are, are kids like going amazing to making amazing things in high school. And a lot of those kids become, you know, the classical musicians of the world to where they're so into their technique that they just can't do anything. That's all they want to do is, Right. Or that they've been sense. taught to do is your value is you're good at making that tree look just like the tree, which isn't really what <laughs> art needs to be. So y- yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you got in. I got and then in. You I spent a whole year different there. culture out there, right? Yeah, totally different. Very crazy. Um, had a great time. Made a lot of friends. Um, learned a lot of things, but ultimately ended up dropping out and living with a couple of friends uh, in like kind of just like West Adams, like just outside of downtown Los Angeles um, Mm -hmm. who were all musicians. And that also was a great time and lived there for about two years. And then coronavirus hit, came back home and now I'm in Jersey. Is that why you came back? Um, so that, and then also due to, you know, family complications, my mom was going through a couple of health problems at the time. So yeah, felt right to come back. Yeah. Yeah. Because the music scene now, there's a really great. Oh yeah. And, um, yeah, it's just, you know, there's a lot of creative energy out there. Yeah. But that's the thing, I guess, you know, a couple of the roads that I want to navigate here and ask you about is you know the kind of music which your music is and i don't i don't want to describe it by words but but i feel like there's there's a kind of i don't know it, it feels like bedroom producing like it's it's stuff that can be done anywhere really right you know and um i wonder if there is a big difference between being somewhere like that with an energy where you feel that you know there's a like-minded or there's a collective of people who are doing stuff that you're really inspired by if there's a difference between that inspiration coming through hanging out in your room, listening to it on Spotify, and then actually being there around those people, you know what I mean? Because those yeah. are two different worlds in a way. Absolutely. But I think things are changing creatively to where 
there's a decentralization of you know an idea of a scene or whatever and the internet of course is why you know because now and we could do this even you know six or seven years ago you know online stuff wasn't as easy as it is now you yeah. know what I mean you can't really go out and find commu- like I mean you couldn't but now you can you know it's like back then when I was in high school it was very difficult to find online communities of like-minded people and I actually did end up doing that in high school uh, where like I spent a lot of time online with like a group of friends that you know were super into just like you know music videos like visual design like cool stuff that I you know I would then get uh exposed to um you know as like oh I can actually do this but that was also a big part of my development in uh high school and to you know liken that to my experience in Los Angeles being there in person with those people certainly different certainly way more visceral you know you certainly feel a lot more in touch and in tune with your ability to grow make stuff and just you know observe um and learn from that because yeah. you know there's n- really nothing like you know in-person experience and it's yeah it's just amazing and i'm very thankful that you know i was able to be there with them yeah so you kind of took that experience back with you in a way yeah i mean was it hard to sort of leave somewhere as you know bustling as los angeles definitely i mean good food let's be honest oh great food great food i uh, i definitely spent uh a large portion of my paycheck on food every month <laughs> um it's, you know certainly understandable oh yeah <laughs> but yeah it it definitely was difficult to leave that because once you're spoiled with that kind of like you know ability to be there in person discuss your ideas be around other people who are making stuff also it's difficult to be motivated when you're just sitting in your room alone you know unable to kind of go out there and and like just open your door and be like, hey, what are you working on? Right. You know? Yes, but the question is, are you more productive, you know, in the quiet studio environment of home or are you more productive when you're surrounded by, you know, being able to go out and do those things and being that community being, you know, right around you? I think I'm definitely more productive with people around me because... Mm -hmm. All of the stuff that I make um, kind of stems from emotion or experience. And when I'm kind of devoid of that emotion or experience, when I'm not able to go out, see people that I can converse with about art, stuff like that, it kind of slows down for me. And I'm unable to like think of these robust ideas that you know I was so used to having when I was living in Los Angeles. Yeah. I'm also interested too in, you know, how your, you know, the way you make music, how it works too. Because I think generationally, uh-huh. when I was growing up and playing in, you know, which obviously is not gone, but, but you know, playing in high school, in bands, in college, finding people and just playing stuff. And then when electronic music started coming in the door, it was integrated in a way to where for the most part, for most people who were playing analog instruments, it, it became a hybrid model, you know? Yeah. And I remember the first show that I saw, like the first laptop show was Nobukazu Takemura, you know? And that was like, 
it was just him and a laptop and it was really weird yeah I mean, it was awesome but it was just weird to see a guy up there just staring at a laptop yeah and um you know back then it was just more there you couldn't really escape a touch of analog to things Absolutely. and there was a real because of the lack of internet or robust internet the way you got things out there was going on tour i mean you just went out and played you know yeah. and that's the way you made connections that's the way you met the record labels that's the way you did things you know yeah it was all in person yes now you can you can not in person anything yeah you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah so, like i'm curious as to how because your i think your entrance into music was probably more saddled in the era of like you don't necessarily have to go out and tour and play these basement shows to make a name for yourself absolutely you can put it on soundcloud or you know there's a reddit thing where people are talking about it so how is the way you get music out there part of your process and then do you have that other side of like the one-on-one connection of like playing live show or like what is the meaning of you know in person and removal you know so i'll work backwards with this and i'll start with the live shows and then i'll come back to the sure. whole bedroom thing um when i was like doing the whole south indian classical thing performing was like the big thing like you practiced to perform right and so i feel like i mean i've never been in a band and i haven't had that experience but from what a bunch of my friends have told me it's similar to that where you you know you write a song with your friends and the purpose of that is to practice it, to perform it in a live setting. And so me having experienced that with something that I, you know, was not really creatively involved with was great because, you know, I was validated for being technically good. Um, when you're working with your own material, it's very different. And so when I started performing my stuff live, I kind of felt that pressure and I, I didn't love it. I was just like, man, I'm really just performing to a crowd of people who is like judging me. But at the same time, it didn't matter. I was having fun. It was a great time. But I was also judging myself, I think, because I would put myself in the audience sometimes and be like, man, like it's strange that I'm just on stage looking at a computer with some, you know, maybe a MIDI keyboard or a bass and there's no one else there. It's not like this, you know, huge sonic experience where you have a drummer, you have a bassist, you have an, a guitarist, a vocalist. And like, you know, especially with my music, a lot of the stuff early on was strictly instrumental. So I was like, man, it's really just headphone music. Like if I can't see myself playing live for a reason, then there's no point in me doing it. So I kind of, you know, pulled back away from that because I felt strange about it. And a bunch of people around me at the time were like, no, no, it's it's not that crazy. Like, a lot of people have been doing this for ages. Think about DJs. Like, that's not even their own music and they're playing it. And I was like, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. But, like, for me personally, going on stage to do that felt so strange. And there was, like, this large disconnect. And so I just, I really, you know, have not been able to get back into it since. But I think... Um, if I had gone like a more vocal route or if I had a band, it probably would have been a bit easier. Um, but as far as, uh, like uploading music to the internet, all that stuff and like the scene in which I came up affected the way that I make music. 
um, that also was another thing that allowed me to be way more instrumental and you know not worry about hmm maybe I have to play this in a live setting and it doesn't have to be strange. So I never thought about you know the whole live thing. I was just like, wow, I can just put this on the internet. People can plug in headphones and listen to it wherever. And I think that drastically changed uh, what I. Well, I don't want to say drastically changed what I was aiming for, but it certainly allowed me to be more comfortable with making stuff that I was making instead of being like, no, you have to do this because it, it's made for the purpose of being played live. Right. Um, so that and then also, you know, it, it was just so fast. Like you could get feedback instantly and you could just, you could whip up stuff in like an hour or two and just, you got this MP3 file out of the, you know, workstation and then just put it on the internet and within you know hours days people were commenting on it liking it sharing with people and that was just the most insane thing to me that you know you could something that I just made on my laptop in an hour was being listened to and people were interacting with it and I think that was awesome because it allowed me to just not think about making music so much and not dwell on it and I think that's definitely something that I would have struggled with had I been in a band or had to write music for the purpose of it being played live. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Well, how do you, but how do you separate yourself? Because now that's the thing. So back in those times, no matter what your music was or how you were making it, you needed a label because the label was going to distribute your stuff. Right. You know, you could, it was really hard to like release your own stuff and get the distributors and all that crap. So... So you had to have that. And then the labels wanted you to tour too to promote and to spread the word and for people to see you. And yeah. now obviously that's not necessary. But the flip side of that is there's a million people making music out there. Yeah, It's so easy to make music now software-wise yeah. and with our technology. And it's cheap compared to what it used to be to, you know... Yeah, to do I mean, a studio like we recorded our second record with at Steve Albini's studio, uh-huh. and it wasn't cheap. Yeah, and it was compressed into a small amount of time because you know, it, time is money when yeah. you're in a recording studio. So, but now, you know, people can just do it on their laptop and spend as much time and as many tracks as they want to put on that thing. And exactly, yeah. But how do you? How do you think you did it? I mean, here's the altruistic response i i would imagine is like well my music is better and that's why people found it and celebrated it or you know like right. that's what someone could say is like yeah well, mine's like, really good right but i'm, I'm so good at this <laughs> like it's just the same thing with artists there's a yeah. m- tons of amazing painters and sculptors out there but you know it's it's who meets who it's how it gets where you know what i mean there's a little yeah. bit of luck it's right place right time oh it's i your ass off so yeah. how did that work for getting, because your your music is heard by a lot of people. You yeah, know what I mean? and so, I'm eternally grateful for that. And honestly, anytime I have this conversation with someone uh, regarding like, oh, like how did you get to this point where your music is heard? I don't know. <laughs> I just, really just yeah, it's it's it was circumstance. I was you know around the right people at the right time, do making the right music at the right time. Like if I was making you know punk rock instead of electronic beats in 2016, things might have gone differently. And there's no guarantee that I would be where I am now. And 
I think a lot of that has to do with circumstance and luck. I don't think, you know, there's there's always going to be somewhere someone out there that's better than you. And in my case, I think that there are a lot of people out there better than me. Like, to think that, you know, the reason that your music is being heard is because of the quality of it is such a, it's such like a pinhole way to view it because, you know, the quality is just one aspect of it. And quality is subjective. Exactly. Some people might think you're really great at what you do and other people, it's the same thing with like take painting. Yeah. I mean, quality is subjective. You know what I mean? There's people who have skills, they can show off their chops or whatever, but we all know that, you know, the Ramones were amazing and did oh, they yeah. have chops? I don't, I don't, who cares? Yeah, exactly. We could talk about Ringo Starr, yeah. you know? Right. Was he a good drummer? <laughs> you know? He was weird. Wasn't Ringo weird? A He's very a weird we- drummer. Yeah. No one sounded like that. No, you know? not at all. odd. Yeah. So, yeah, it's that's the point is like who I, I guess it's all the way things align. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right place, right time, working hard or whatever. It's just I love the right place, right time thing with the Internet because it's like <laughs> there's no place. <laughs> yeah, <you know? laughs> right. Exactly. Right. Upload. Right time. Yeah, that, that's what it was. You know, like right tags, right time. You know? <laughs> right tweet at the right time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's really funny. Yeah. Um, but it is an amazing way that, you know, music gets out there. And um, the other question that I had as a parallel to that, too, is, you know, the kind of music that is... I mean, when I was in a band, we played instrumental music, and it was about, like, a mood, you know what I mean? And nice. there was a certain sort of uh, subtlety to it. It wasn't, like, hit you over the head. And I've always been drawn to that kind of music. So, like, when I found your music and I was listening to it a lot, especially in the studio, it's really great to work to because it creates this kind of, for me, a, a place that I can, like, you kind of get lost. You're not hyper-analytical about it, necessarily. Right. And it, it kind of, like, moves you almost unconsciously, right? So yeah. But there's like, if we take something like, and I don't think your music is necessarily defined as like, you know, this like sort of lo-fi right. stuff, but there's a lot of that out there. Yeah. You know, which is really impressive because it's very gentle, almost like kind music in a way. Yeah. It's like warm, it's not, welcoming. It's not asking a ton of the listener in the sense of like, like Fugazi is not passive. <laughs> <you> <laughs> yeah. <know what> I- <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, like, it's, it's like, like, be here right now, you know? Yeah, it's like, uh, well, hold on, hold on, and then punch you in the face, and then, like, strangle yeah. You know, it's just this constant range of, like, right. fits and starts and aggression and soft and loud and, you know, and, and a lot of this, the music, I guess I'm wondering where that kind of, like, niche falls into now or to where it it's sort of hitting and why I, I think it's probably this cosmic alignment of maybe um, decompressing from all the saturation of the world in a way to where you can kind of take a breath. It's almost like meditative. Yeah, I would say so. I think, you know, especially with everything going on, I know that's like the, the phrase that people, you know, Oh, with everything going on, but right. let's be honest, there is a lot that is happening and it's very difficult to process all of it, you know, keep in touch with all of it. And, I I think if you don't at least have that, you know, background music or that track to be like, everything's going to be okay, 
it's it's just kind of like this warm hug that is always there for you. Yeah. And I think that's probably why it's so prevalent these days is because, you know, people need that. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, but you're, a lot of your music has this sort of, sort of like there's a soothing kind of like ethereal element to it. But then there are part, there are parts to where it doesn't. And then also knowing the stuff that you're doing visually, it's not always soothing. There's a bit of a, right. a sort of anxiety to the line work and to the movement of it. Yeah. And I don't know how much of that is like completely technique driven or if it's purposeful or if it's circumstantial, but there's, there's a kind of a, I don't know, an un, an unnerving edge to it, you right. know, it's conceptually like, and like, you know, uh, formally. I think I certainly do that intentionally. Um, I started off kind of like subconsciously. I was just like do drawings and notice that like, you know, sometimes they looked kind of off and like it was kind of dark. Like a lot of the characters that I draw don't have pupils to their eyes. And I was like, damn, that's very Tim Burton-y. It's like, what am I thinking? Like, uh, am I really that, you know, depressed? <laughs> but um, it certainly is something that I uh, think about these days too, is just like, as much as I want to be, um, and a lot of this has to do with how people act upon empathy too. And I think there's a deeper conversation to be had about, you know, how you handle people going through things and how you can be there for someone. But when I approach making stuff, a lot of it is to say that people are not alone in that feeling instead of being in like, Oh no, everything's going to be okay. It's all right. Like, you know, you're going to be fine. Right. Because I think um, people have their own answers and are able to come up with solutions to things in their lives that they don't like and that are they're you know anxious about or they're struggling with. And I think a lot of the stuff that I make um, is there for the sole purpose of being like, hey, this is probably what you're feeling right now. It's okay to feel this way, but I'm not there to be like you know rubbing your back and telling you it's going to be fine right and so i think what that has to do with like empathy and how you act upon it is like if i'm going through something and i see someone else going through something similar i have to know that me coddling them is not always the solution to their problem and i also have to know that i don't have the answer to their problem so with the music that i make i like to just you know give people something to, you know, feel when they're in that feeling so that maybe they can, you know, process some thoughts out of it and, you know, figure out what they're going through. I found the analogy in my mind. You are, your music is not the person on the road who sees the person just get deluged by a puddle from a truck going by. You don't run over and put a blanket over them and say, it's okay, we'll dry you off. You're the guy on the other side of the road who also gets hit by another deluge by a you know sports <laughs> car on the other side, and exactly. they look over and they're like, "Yep, well, they got it too." Right? Yeah, that's life. <laughs> you know, then it, you can both keep walking. Yeah, but there's a sort of, you know, there's a resonance there. Like, oh, okay, I'm not the only one. Right. Exactly. And I think, although a lot of it has somber tones and generally is like this very like sad music. Um, I don't intend for it to make people sad. It's just more like, you know, this happens sometimes. It's it's okay, you know? Yeah, yeah. and I think there's, 
I think anytime you music goes into a sort of ethereal, um, sort of instrumental, um, and non-analog way, there's going to be some sort of feeling of alienation or removal. Right? Absolutely. But we all know there's a human making it, and you know that's a language. You know, it's the same thing. It's not the same thing. A similar thing could be, you know, the idea of like a painting that's like thick and goopy and really expressive as opposed to something that's very sort of like seamless and clean. You know, they're both made by people and there's both emotion there. But one is illustrating a little more and the other is kind of like creating uh, a removal right. in a sense, but but not necessarily conceptually or emotionally. It's right. just, you know... It's a different way of talking about emotion or expression. Exactly. It's complicated stuff. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's deep, man. It's deep. <laughs> it is deep. Yeah. And it, well, the beauty of music, though, is that it, you know, and I say this all the time when I'm talking about it, it, it just goes into you. It's, there's yeah. less of a, uh, a filter. You know, right. visual things, it's like, oh, that looks like that, and I understand that because it's relationship to that kind of look. Whereas music just kind of like enters the ear hole and like vibrates your body. Right. And that's what your brain just like, you know, feels that. Yeah. And, you know, there certainly is science to it as there is to approaching visuals. But simultaneously, like, like you said, art is subjective. So, you know, something that resonates with you might not resonate with someone else. And, you know, it's just, it's amazing that it's so subconscious and so seamless that yeah. you can be affected by something that you barely even notice, you know? Totally. And every viewer and every listener is so different because they bring their experience to it. Yeah. You know, like, you, you know, my painting might look a certain way to you and then someone who walks in the gallery who's colorblind sees that a totally different way. Who's right? Yeah. Need you know what I them. mean? Both of them. Yeah, exactly. Like, there is no right or wrong. It's just, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's so multifaceted, you know? Yeah. And well, t- so w- when you're, when you sort of release music, do you, is there most of the time a visual element to it or is it some, sometimes it's just the track and, you know, are you always thinking visually in relation to that thing that's coming out? Usually I like to have a visual component, um, even if it be as small as the album artwork, I like to see it through myself because, um, you know, I like to carry that intent across visually as well. Um, sometimes it's just the album art. Sometimes it's like more than that, like a small visual piece. Um, but I think recently I've been trying more and more to just, you know, attach the music to a visual piece that is just as, you know, has just as much effort and time poured into it as the music itself. So. Yeah. I mean, it, it works. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that, I feel like all music really has an, a, a visual element to it. You know? Yeah. I mean, ever since I was a kid and, you know, had records, those records were so, the visual side was so important. I remember oh, yeah. getting Thriller <laughs> and you know what I mean? And like, yeah, it was yeah. like an open, you fold it open, there's Michael Jackson with a tiger. I was just like, that affected the way I heard the music. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it has an effect. Yeah. Just like, you know, if there's any sort of like visual things that have a sound element, it makes a huge, like when I do an animation and I collaborate with like a musician on it, it completely changes the feel yeah. of it, which is really fun and exciting. You know? Yeah, it's amazing. 
Um, and I think, you know, that's sometimes why, I, you know, get drawn away from doing uh, like larger animated pieces is because, you know, I'll be like, man, I really want to do this, but I don't know if it'll come out like exactly how I thought it would be with the song. Like, I'm very uh, neurotic when it comes to things going properly and me like executing ideas correctly. So, and that's another reason why like it's very hard for me to work with people as well. It's just like I'm that guy in the group project who's like, no, this has to be like this. This is like we're gonna see you know that was the med student that survived in the inside of you oh that was yeah. the surgeon who was like you gotta <laughs> no you gotta do it that way it's a very mathematical thing we're gonna the you, song it, will die if you it, don't <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly and, it, and it's something that i've been trying to defeat because you know working with people is amazing i've like recently started trying to do that more and more and it's a very very different experience and it's like really fun in its own way but that part of me is still there just nagging at me being like, nope, not okay. Like, you're not going to feel the same way about it if it doesn't come out okay. And so that's why I struggle a lot with uh, making visual art, like, you know, long, long pieces of visual art for the music itself is because I'm worried about, you know, the outcome not being exactly as I pictured. But right. sometimes I have to be okay with that. And I think that's something that I'm currently learning. Well, collaboration is such a huge part of music nowadays oh yeah i mean it used to be very rare or like shocking you right because I mean? <laughs> you got to be there in the same place at the same time you know feeling the same things being you know in tune with each other's ideas but now it's just like cool zip up an mp3 file send it to someone it. thousands of miles away well logist that's logistically and that is true that it's much more easy but also authorship wise now there's so much of a like, oh yeah, he's on my track, I'm on his track. There's so much of a, right. and it's it, to be honest, it's been kind of modified to where it's like, well, you know, a record has like every single different person on it just yeah. to sell more records. But you know, like I remember like when I was a kid and I saw that it, they uh, walk this way with Aerosmith and Run DMC came out, mm -hmm. and we were just like, what? <laughs> they these two people together, like it was right. just, it felt like illegal. Yeah, and amazing, <laughs> yeah. like in a really good way. But yeah. you know, but then like growing up and listening to like punk bands and stuff, they would never collaborate with like, you know, let's put a rapper on ours. It, it just yeah, it wasn't it a thing. Didn't happen. You know? Yeah. Now it's like ubiquitous. I mean, everyone does it, yeah. and it's almost and it's it's really in a way. I think it mirrors the collage like uh, atmosphere, the way music is created now with using technology. Yeah, in the I same agree. sense that there's a sort of collaging of authorship of like oh well, i'm gonna put a little bit of like drake sound on this and then have like you know jay-z do or whatever you know right. it's but do you feel like inspired to want to do those kind of collaborations or do you feel i know you were saying that or do you have too much authorship to where you feel a little reticent i think i'm starting to develop um that desire to go out and work with people because I'm noticing that, you know, sometimes the ideas that you have at the table that you think are the final ideas can be improved by other people coming in and being like, well, maybe you could do this or like, maybe you could look at it this way and we could try to, you know, change this up a little bit. Um, and I think like, I, it's really just opening my eyes to that now. Um, but I'm certainly still like very clingy in terms of, you know, having an idea and having it go 
the right way which right. you know i i really hate to say it but it's like the right way is my way and like no one will ever you know <laughs> but it it uh you know like you said that is like the med student in me the very clinical critical like it's got to go this way yeah i think too the you know generally speaking a lot of times the longer you you're creating the the more you feel this like confidence of authorship in it to where you don't mind someone else's stamp coming in on it unless yeah. they just come in and like you know crap the bed or something but yeah that's the 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 great sort of solution to collaboration is just all I, the way i look at it always collaborate with people better than you and just they're always going to bring it you'll yeah. always be happy like Absolutely, if you love their yeah. work and they do something on it i don't know it just always seems to work out yeah it's never going to go sour yeah. And I think, uh, man, I had, I just, I, there was something in my head that I wanted to say and it just, it looped around. Let's see if I can find it. Um, oh, let's, let's just keep going. It's, 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 well, here, there. I'll flip the authorship thing. So uh-huh. who are some musicians, bands, or like, right, like what, what are, th- what kind of stuff are you listening to that, that you're really into? I imagine it's diverse. Yeah, I <laughs> I was thinking about that before uh, we started talking, and I was just like, man, if he's gonna ask me about like who I'm listening to, I'm just gonna have to give him like twenty different people, <laughs> and not really have like a straight answer. Like it's been kind of like in this electronic niche or like this indie niche, but I've been listening to um, a variety of like somewhere between just like an indie band sound, kind of like Lomelda, if you know who that is. I don't. Uh, great, great band. Um, Lamelda. Lamelda, yeah. Um, another artist, uh, Adrian Lenker, makes kind of like ambient, folky music. Um, been listening to a lot of Bibio as always. Bibio is a oh, great. Wow, I haven't thought of Bibio in a little bit. Super, super diverse artist. Oh yeah, he's great. That uh, that record. God, that was a really great record. I forget the name of it. All the, I mean, he's, yeah, he's, really uh, yeah, great. all what of his music is just, yeah, truly. And like a humongous breadth of sound, like just his range is incredible. Dude can play guitar too. Oh, he's yeah. Not messing around on the oh, axe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's got chops. <laughs> yeah. He's got chops for sure. Um, but apart from that, you know what? Let me see. Let me take a look, actually. I've been listening to, oh, a lot of math rock. Um, this band called Mother Coat. Uh, oh, wow, this is great. I mean, I grew up on math rock. You oh, know, wow. I'm from Pittsburgh, so... Yeah, you know, of course. Don Caballero was like big... I mean, was Don Caballero probably the math rock? Yeah. Like, the beginning yeah. of math rock. Yeah. And then, I mean, Slint and all that stuff, you know, grew up right. on that kind of stuff. Awesome, hell yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that kind of stuff uh, has been a big part of my listening recently. Um, apart from that, just, you know, regular old electronic stuff, John Hopkins, Lapalux, Flying Lotus, Brian Eno, you know. Do you go back? I mean, like, I'm a little bit older than you. I mean, do you like the boards of Canada and the, Absolutely, yeah. like, do you even go back to, like, drum and bass stuff? I mean, how, do you mind that? It's weird because I grew up, like, you know, I'm... My generation, we kind of grew up through electronic, like changing, and it was kind of exciting because new stuff would be coming out that was just never, you know. I like I remember going to see 
the tortoise tortoise and the sea and cake and five style play a show and in between them going on they were playing square pusher oh wow and i was like what is this <laughs> you know what i mean yeah like it kind of blew my mind yeah and then between the next set they were playing lee scratch perry and i didn't know who he was at that point so i was like what is this you know yeah. and and then you had to ask people because there was no SoundCloud or any or uh, right. no SoundCloud or like Shazam. yeah yeah. So I had to be like uh, go up to the soundboard guy and like, like hey who is this? He's like, yeah, look he's looking at the CD that they put in or something. But yeah, uh, you know like you would get exposed to this stuff and it would just keep changing and shifting. Yeah. So I kind of like witnessed electronic music, you know, moving through these genres. But I'm curious as to some like I'm sure you like mind your way back through that. I did. How deep do you go? So I mean, I, do you go to Autecker? Do you go like overall? Yeah, you go yeah I think Autecker is like the the line, pretty much. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think if I had to like, I mean, I dug through the Boards of Canada catalog like hundreds of times. Um, Aphex Twin, obviously. Yeah. Um, See, that's fun. It's funny because Aphex Twin is amazing, but I never got really into Aphex Twin. Same. But um, do you know like Telephone Tel Aviv? Have you ever yes. heard of them? Yes. So there's there's bands back then that like flirted the line between math rock or kind of indie rock and electronic music, which was kind of exciting. Which is what I think I'm trying to like tap into now by listening to a lot of math rock is just trying to pull from that influence and then also like find people like Telephone Tel Aviv who, you know, have already done that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think... I started with electronic music kind of like in the beat scene days, like kind of like 2009, 2010. Right, right. Just like Flying Lotus, you know, that whole thing. No such thing. Yep, no such thing. Um, who else was around there? Dorian Concept. Sure. Um, and that stuff really, really, you know, struck a chord with me. And I found myself just listening to that alongside, uh, you know, DJ Premier, Jay Dilla, Pete Rock, uh, you know, the great hip-hop producers of that time. Uh, I mean, earlier, obviously, but still. Uh, prevalent, you know, inspirations to those artists who were, you know, really having fun in the beat scene. And then I ended up finding more electronic artists like, you know, Dorian Concept was a great example. And being like, this stuff is also really cool. I wonder where this stuff kind of started because it doesn't really sound super like hip-hop, but... I can kind of see, you know, where the two bridges meet. And so that inspired me to go find, you know, okay, Boards of Canada, Aphex Twin, Telephone Tel Aviv, um, any number of other, you know, electronic artists that I just can't remember off the top of my head. From I'm sure you like, went into the Detroit scene a little bit, like the Dabberies of the world and like yeah. that kind of, you know, where House was meeting hip-hop yes, electronica together. IDM, you know, the whole like dance music that was kind of not really uh edm there because there wasn't really edm at that time it was just you know house um yeah they yeah i, I think i don't know what they called that day they, they didn't have a word for it yet yeah like what i think we think of as i think it was um idm was what it yeah, was originally called right intelligent intelligent day, exactly which yeah. was like the square pushers of the world like exactly that kind of like drum and bass it got a little abstract yeah you know? Because the grooves weren't always the same, and it was just you know, yeah, no one was dancing to that shit. It was it was right. in the the wheelhouse of the way dance music was, but it was like totally different. Exactly, and so 
that I think that's probably where like I draw the line is like maybe 95 to 98 is like the depth of my, you know, walking backwards in electronic music. Yeah. Well, it didn't go that far. Well, unless you go to like Luke Ferrari and all that like early I, stuff, right? Yeah, which is you know fascinating stuff too. Certainly, you know, because if you listen to like Philip Glass and Steve Reich and stuff, there's I mean, there's electronic kind of the Elements. genesis of that stuff. Yeah, you know, I was a jazz DJ, so um, I got really into everything, like deep dives and like that Herbie Hancock stuff, where he was, you know, putting electronic stuff in there was so amazing. Yeah, you know? just incredible. So, like, the drumming in that would become really interesting because it was kind of like drum and bass in a way. Right. But then at that point, I was listening to things like Zakir Hussain, like these tabla stuff that was just, like, rhythmically, just, like, bananas. And it's like, that's not that different than, like, Chicago footwork in a way, but it... <laughs> you know what <laughs> right. I mean? It, like, right. all kind of comes together in a really right. interesting way. But I don't know, like... It, it's interesting to me because like I, I kind of learned a lot of linearity in music and like how music moves through places and changes. Uh-huh. But I think nowadays music is just so kind of collaged. You know, I think yeah. the linearity with the internet has been flattened a bit. It's a little more definitely like, collaged yeah. than linear. We've kind of like taken the straight line and branched off into any number of scenes that all are very, very large. Like... Um, Somebody who's into, you know, like more popular, like bedroom pop music, I guess one would call it. Yeah. Um, might not even be aware that there's a such scene full of people making like this instrumental electronic music. Like right. Tourist might be a name that, you know, someone who listens to Claro wouldn't have even heard. Yeah. And that's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's funny. I mean, you know, there is like... There is a, a band in Japan of like 40 girls and it's death metal. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, I can't, I don't. Right. It just blows your mind. Like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> it's kind of amazing, actually. But it's just, you know, as someone who came to music through this really linear yeah. kind of like progression of things, where it's like, it's almost like a, a person who cooks and it's like, no, you don't put that. Those ingredients with those ingredients. Someone <laughs> just comes in and drops them together, and you're just like, "Whoa!" That's yeah, but it works, you know. Yeah, it's it's very strange because I guess prior to prior to the age of the internet, I suppose like it just really was like this is what is popular now, and you know, it runs like a straight river, and that's it. Yeah, and you would have like minor tweaks to it. Or yeah. like a dash of something else. Right. Like ska music was just, you know, <laughs> kind of reggae. You know what I mean? Right, it's right, right. punk kind of reggae. And you could sneak it in there. Right. Like here's you know? the slight evolution of this thing that already existed. Right. Now it's like you could just make, you know, I don't know, drum and bass music that is all based on Nintendo game themes or something. Yeah. It's like, yep, yeah, that works. All right, <laughs> yeah. what's next? <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> Now, as a creator of music, I mean, and listening to the breadth of all that stuff, do you, do you, when you're quote unquote in the studio, do you shut down or do you let that stuff come in? I, I think I let that stuff come in, um, even if it is subconsciously. And that's why I try to listen to as many things as I can. Yeah. And try to prevent myself from being comfortable and being like, oh, like this is music that I have, you know, been listening to in the past. And so I'll keep listening to it because I find that when I do that, I make 
stuff that sounds the same. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I just, you know, take in as much as I can and have realized that me taking it as, as much as possible and just like taking little elements from everything is the most productive way for me to make a new idea. And yeah. I've, you know, that's something that I just aspire to do whenever I sit down and make music. Well, conversely, I'm interested too in like if you, you, it seems like you're in a comfortable place. Yeah. Like metaphorically and literally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you're being in Jersey, like where you grew up mm-hmm. and like, you know, you've, you probably got your, your system set up and like, you know, you're comfortable in the way that you're working and stuff. Like a lot of musicians, especially like when I was talking about that, that linearity of finding a record label, touring and all that, you know, like that music quote unquote music industry stuff of where you have to always like cycle through these things and there's timing and right. You're always looking for the next thing. And yeah, yeah. exactly. I was going to ask you like, what is, because you do your unconventionally, you're making visual stuff and you're making your music um, like what are the ambitions of the music and then also just in general, like in five years or like where do you want your music to grow? Or are you just content of like releasing, you know, tracks when you release tracks or, you know, is it like an album based thing or do you feel like you want it to grow out in different ways or do you just want more people to listen to it? The more, the better. Like what are those ambitions? I think I... Well, and I th- I think this is like a main reason I didn't go like the pop route, I guess, is yeah. not, not just because like, you know, it's not truly what I enjoy making, but also just I don't want to be a famous person. Like I don't want to, you know, be on stage in front of people. I don't want to be recognized. Um, I kind of just want the art to speak for itself and be heard. And if it affects people in a positive way or they're able to bring it in as a part of their lives, then that's more than enough for me. Um, But from a personal ambition standpoint, from me making stuff, I think uh, it would be really great to have a team of people uh, similar to how Gorillaz has Jamie Hewlett and Damon Albarn, where one person does the visuals, one person does the music. And they've created this gorgeous, gorgeous universe over, I think, the course of like two decades at this point. It's been a while, yeah. Yeah. And that is something uh, that I seek to do um, with, you know, me as the director and a couple of people who share the same vision and ideas on board. Um, But I also realize that, you know, everyone has their own ideas and priorities, so that's a large reason why I, you know, decide to do animation as well and music uh, together is because I get to, you know, convey both of these ideas. But the volume is certainly low because, as you know, animation is a very, very, you know, long, grueling, taxing thing to do and certainly does not allow me to make the most music either because if I were to make, you know, a song that's a minute long and then I'm like, man, I got to make an animated music video for this. 
the song wouldn't come out for maybe a month, two months. It takes so long, doesn't it? Yeah, it takes forever, man. <laughs> it, it takes, so it takes long. a long time. Yeah. I don't think people <laughs> realize it. It's yeah. Because people will see a big painting that I do. It's like six by eight feet or something. And they'll be like, oh my God, how long does it take you? And then when I show an animation, no one ever says that. Because there's not a scale to it necessarily. You know what right. I mean? And, but it takes so long to animate. Exactly. Exactly. And it's just people don't see that, you know, you might have drawn a certain frame like hundreds of times yep. before getting the right frame or that, you know, there actually are 24 frames in a second. And um, yeah, that's it's just like and that's one of those things, too, where like when I embark on that journey to do something like that, I'm always like, is there any other medium in which I can convey <laughs> the same feeling because if there is I'm going to do that instead right um, but in most cases it just ends up being yeah you really can't do it without animation so you, you just got to sit down and do it and I think my goal uh, just holistically is to progress to a point where I'm able to afford a team of people to work on this and you know give them due compensation and make sure that they are okay as well and convey these same emotions and same feelings that I have been conveying with just music over a much larger like experiential scale. So instead of it being like a music video for, you know, a song, I would make a song and have it be part of this larger, you know, possibly episodic content, like a TV show or a short film. Yeah. Kind of like that. Seems totally possible. I mean, and you've, you produced other things too, right? Haven't you produced other videos or film stuff? Yes. Do you so enjoy I, that a lot too? I mean, yeah, I actually, this is one more thing to like the list of like, you know, paths that I could have taken that I just didn't take is video editing because in high school, again, I was part of like this community of video editors, etc. And I want to say it was 2017, 2018 um, when I started looking for uh, like a job as a video editor uh, at, you know, places that were producing content for YouTube and needed someone like that. Yeah. And nothing really ended up panning out, so I didn't go that route. But um, it is very enjoyable for me to, you know, take someone else's vision and bring it to fruition. But I certainly think that I am, like, a bit picky with that stuff. So doing it uh has been like in a freelance capacity like you know if i do need the money i'll do it but also at the same time like this idea has to be something that i do align with and i'm able to like, i have to make sure that my head is where their head is so that i right. can actually like you know bring them to that spot yeah well it sounds like you have a pretty um solid sense of like what you want to do you know what yeah. i mean and and it seems like you've put yourself in a position to make that possible you know what yeah. i mean whereas maybe working in la amidst that community maybe you know it's harder to function and to do that you know what yeah I mean? definitely or at least to get get it off the ground in that sense you yeah know? and you know i was saying earlier i definitely am thankful that i was around those people and like having these experiences but simultaneously when you have that many people around you having these original ideas and pushing their, you know, like agendas ahead, it's certainly difficult for you to center yourself and like know for sure that this is what you want to do. Because right. when, you know, you have 
someone else's idea succeed and you're like, oh, like maybe that's cool. Or like, you know, someone else's idea gets introduced to you and you're like, oh, maybe I can like, you know, get inspired by this. But, you know, I being in Jersey, being like not around a lot of people has certainly allowed me to think more about what I want to do and, you know, put that down onto paper as opposed to being like, what works, what will get to the forefront of things, like the whole LA mentality of being seen. Yeah. I mean, do you, I mean, it's going to be a difficult question Mm -hmm. because it's hypothetical, but do you ever think that you will want to go back to school or go, you know, study? Or do you feel like nowadays you can learn a lot online? (laughs) Um, Technical stuff you can kind of learn. Yeah. I, I definitely think that, School is a place to make connections and not so much a place to grow technically. And I think that's what I treated school as because, you know, I took classes on After Effects, Photoshop, TV Paint, etc. in my first year of college. And I was realizing most of the stuff was stuff that I kind of already knew how to do. And so I was like, damn, why am I here? And it was just really just like, meeting people, talking through your ideas, uh, developing as an artist instead of developing as a technical creator. Right. Um, That's important. Were the classes taught in a very technical kind of tutorial-like mode, or were they more free and easy and more about critique and stuff like that? For the most part, uh, these auxiliary classes that involved you learning technical things, because, you know, not everyone goes into art school having access to, like, a computer that can run After Effects, run Photoshop, all these things. Um, Those were very straightforward. They never really took uh, the technical stuff and said, you can actually do whatever you want with this stuff. Um, But that gap was filled by, you know, your theory classes where you would, you know, take ideas, talk about them, figure out how you felt about them, stuff like that, which was really cool. Yeah. It's funny because I teach, I started a course at Penn State and I teach a digital painting course but it's by no means about like okay here I mean I do talk a little bit about you know using the programs and stuff but nowadays there's so many different programs and you don't want to force someone to use like you know fresco or sketch or whatever like there's a lot of stuff out there's freeware people can use so I teach it more as you know let's talk about your ideas and like, why do you want to work this way? And what does this stuff do and how can you tweak it? You know, it's, it's more of like a critique based opening up where, what the realm of possibilities are, because I feel like, you know, I do it too. Like I, when I went to school, they didn't have like, I'm not trying to say I'm really old, but you know, there weren't after, there was no after effects yet. Yeah. So yeah, I didn't learn it. I had to, I had to just go on YouTube and figure out how to do it. And you can go on YouTube and figure out how to do it. And yeah, I exactly. will still do things today where I'm like, okay, I need this camera shake that looks kind of like this. And I just do a tutorial and that's all you need. Right, exactly. But if I'm taking a class about animation, I want to learn, you know, who are other animators who did things that were like different and like how did they accomplish that and what does it mean? You know, exactly. Kind of, I feel like that's the same thing with community. It's like you, those voices and those people you meet, that's really the, the kind of like reason for doing it. You can go, like if you're in music school, you can go online and like 
read the tab and you can learn a song. But if you go jam with people, you learn something creatively about expression and collaboration and exactly how people move, how you can, you know, better get acquainted with like, you know, improvisation, all that stuff. It's very I difficult, I guess, to learn without, you know, actually being there with people. The thing that drives me crazy? Yeah. Are students who pay a boat ton of money to go to school and they just work at home and they don't go to the studio or they don't want to talk to people. I'm like, why are you paying? You could just do these tutorials. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) The whole sort of like, you know, the whole bonus is that you get to go to this place and like, you know, feel the energy and, you know, yeah, I don't know. It's funny. Some people are just, you know, they, I think they want the degree or something, but they don't want to go through the, you know, they're just like, I get it. I was shy too, but still I showed up to class. Yeah. You learn a lot from just showing up. You do. Yeah. And I think, you know, even like one thing that like was like told to me through my entire life by my grandfather was that like whatever experience you have, even if it's a bad one, it's still a good experience. Yeah. So, or it's a learning experience. Exactly. It might not be good. (laughs) Yeah. Getting punched in the face isn't isn't good, (laughs) but you know who like what to avoid, you know? (laughs) Right. Exactly. You're going to, you're going to figure something out by it regardless. Right. And so I think, you know, even if you, you, you're shy and you don't like going to class, still do it just because, you know, you're, you're going to take something from it in the end. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, you know, no one wants to be that person who gets, the deluge of the puddle splashed on them by the tractor trailer driving right. by in a rainstorm. But you learn to walk a little bit away from the curb in the future. So you don't get that exactly. waterfall. <laughs> yeah. It's like yeah. important. Those things are like really important for learning your way around. I think. Yeah. That said, I don't know if I personally will ever return to higher education. Um, I think I may have to in the future, just, uh, you know, for the sake of uh, my career stability, but right, right. Um, for the sake of art itself, I don't think I will. Just because I'm, I've made you know connections with people, and I'm able to have that experience to go out and like see new faces, meet new people, uh, especially living so close to the city, um, without being in a school setting. Right, and I think that's also cool and something to chase after because the one thing about before uh the internet like you said is that everything was in person you had to do it in person but we're in now in a strange time where like you can meet people online and then you know go hang out with those people in person and you know it's not always a guaranteed amazing experience you're not going to figure out who someone is online but it certainly is you know a very crazy way to meet people that you would not have otherwise met. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's a different way of entering in relationships or, you know, or just connecting in a yeah, way. Exactly. Yeah. Same thing. Like back in the day, you know, you, you write a record and people listen to it and they go see you live. They don't know what the hell they're getting. You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. Get up there and be like the most amazing musician and put on a great show or you could just go up and see a dud. You yeah. Know? It's crazy. I used to get CDs based on the cover art. Me too. I mean, you just didn't know. It was a crapshoot. Yeah. Or they would be like, I would go to other music and it would be like a little description. But then it's, you're basing it off some like, you know, jackass who's got like this super like 
arrogant views of what good music is or whatever. You know? Right. <laughs> yeah. So you just <laughs> yeah. have to base it off like, well, that looks cool. I'll buy right. that. And that's another reason why I think I love pairing the visual with the audio is because if someone sees one side of it, they're likely to find the other side just because it looks cool to them. Right. And, yeah. you know, that's how I grew up discovering music and it seems like you did too, is just like picking out stuff that looked cool and then figuring out whether it sounded good or not. Right. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you get a dud, but most of the times it was pretty good. Yeah. Most of the time, you know, if the art's good, you can kind of figure out that they have good taste in music as well and it translates. You know, it just popped in my mind. Uh-huh. Um, do you know the band Yui? Yui. Like U-I. Uh, U-I, I don't. So the Sasha Fred Jones, who wrote music column for the Village Voice for years and years, I don't know if he still does, but uh -huh. I was in that band. But they did a lot of kind of mathy, post-rocky huh. stuff that um, was it, I don't know, for some reason, the, <laughs> the, the little reviews that people used to write under CDs, like, you know, the, the staff picks and stuff, like right. the arrogance of that. Yeah. It reminded <laughs> me of Yui. Not in a bad way. Like, I loved Yui. It, it was yeah. nothing. But yeah, this is funny. That yeah. <laughs> phenomenon. So yeah. what do you, are you, you working on? I'm, are you always working on new music? Are you working on, that's the thing too. Another thing, it used to just be records or a couple singles, but I right. feel like now it's like this trickle. A lot of people just, oh, there's man. no dates or whatever. They just let it, go you know yeah it you make it and it just gets out there and yeah. i think that's beautiful in a way too because you know it's spontaneous you know it's not like this calculated effort you don't really get to think about it and it just gets out there but i also think that definitely contributes to saturation and not a lot of people thinking about like hmm you know is this what i want people to hear right um so that's a line that i've like tried to walk as well and just like being like okay maybe not everything that i make has to get out there you know? Yeah. Um, I usually am always working on music. Um, if I, you know, a couple of my friends and I had this thing where, uh, we had like a group chat where we would make an idea like, a, you know, this brand new, just like open up a project file, put down whatever. And then, uh, you know, take like an hour out of your day to just do that and send it like an MP3 file to this group chat. And it was this like cool exercise of just like flushing your brain before you actually, you know, wanted to think about something like really, really like deep and conceptual if you wanted to do that. Yeah. Um, and sometimes more often than not, actually, those ideas would lead to, you know, the actually really cool stuff because, you know, whatever's in your subconscious is generally what you want to make anyway. Right. Um, so that was a really cool exercise that I've actually been trying to get back into the groove of. Um, but I've also noticed that whenever I'm animating stuff, I usually don't have the time to think about making music because I'm so immersed in that process. Yeah. Um, like I'll get up first thing and be like, all right, cool. I have these scenes laid out that I got to do today. Let's knock these out. And then by the, by the time I'm done with them, I'm just like, all right, cool. That's, that's it. Like all my energy for today is exhausted. I don't even want to think about opening up logic and trying to put something right. down. You're exhausted. As uh, a fellow animator, whenever you watch a movie like, I don't know, Soul or something. And yeah. And the end of it, in the credits, it's like animators. And it just keeps going. Dude. 
And like, <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, right, that's like, the way to do it. Right. Obviously, a whole <laughs> studio worked on this. Why right. didn't I think? And then that's also something I've been struggling with recently is when it comes to collaboration. You really do need collaborators to get things done, especially yeah. when it comes to animation. Definitely. Um, I worked on a music video recently for a friend of mine, and I think there were like five of us working on it in total. And I was like, wow, okay, like this is how you meet a deadline. <laughs> yeah. This is how you, uh, you know, make a sizable project in a short amount of time. Yeah, because or else you make one piece in your life. Yeah. It's like those Pixar movies have like 4,000 animators and it still takes two years to make the damn movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, You know exactly. what I mean? Like it, and and I, I, I did an animation a few years back for... Um, a show in Japan and I was like teaching there for six weeks and I basically outside of just teaching I was working on that damn animation the entire <laughs> time and it took yeah. so long it's like a three minute not that difficult animation <laughs> right but and you're uh, one person working on it that's that's the thing it's like you know and I don't I can't have an assistant in the studio with my paintings I don't want anyone touching anything yeah I don't want anyone in there yep. I, it's it's me but when it comes to animating, I can definitely, I work with friends sometimes. Yeah. It's, it's just, just it's, it's <laughs> nice because it brings in flavor, but also it keeps me, you know. Sane. Uh, sane and making more than one thing every two years. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's something that I also recently learned is that, you know, collaboration is important because I would, like, when I was working on my last film, which is, was, like, less than a minute long, it was, like, 40 seconds long, um, I was thinking to myself, man, like these animated shows, like you always, I like, I hear about the director, but I never take into account like the credit scenes cause they're always, you know, pretty short in cartoons. Yeah. So I look at it and I'm like, damn, like one person did this. And then I'm like, no, that like a hundred people did this. Yeah. Like cal- calm down. <laughs> like <laughs> you're okay if you don't make a 10 minute episode every week, like you're fine. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and even then, those episodes don't take a week. They take like nine, ten months, maybe even a year to complete. Right. It's crazy. Um, yeah. It's a whole so, different time frame. Yeah. And that scope is something that I was very blind to. And so I would like get down on myself and be like, why aren't you able to do this? Yeah. But it certainly is like a team effort. For sure. Well, um, so how can people find your stuff? What's What's like the optimal way for them to... Because I imagine a lot of people who are listening may not know your music, but, you know, they want to check it out. Well, I am everywhere as Weird Inside. So that is the primary moniker that I use. Um, Came up with it in high school. Sometimes I regret choosing it, but, you know, (laughs) isn't that what every moniker is? Well, we're all a little weird inside, right? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. It's relatable, for sure. Yeah, exactly. Um but yeah, I'm pretty much on every platform as Weird Inside. So if you want to hear... Is there benefits to different ones or do you promote one over the other? This is a, it's all good. And do people ever make money off music anymore unless you have a <laughs> million streams? Uh, it's it, rough, isn't it? It's for, tough. It's tough, man. It's like, a, you know, you get a percentage of a cent at this point per play. And yeah. it's it's really... Not to like derail the conversation from promoting myself, but also... It's really interesting to see um, the metrics of these platforms on a business scale and be like, okay, that's why I guess you can't pay me that much. But simultaneously, like, 
I'm the product provider. Right. So it's it's a very uh it's a dilemma, but the 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 catch 22 there is it used to be so hard to find a label. Yes. And there was only so many labels and so many spots. But if you get in, you're good because you're going to sell a lot of records probably. Exactly. But now people can get their airtime easier, but there's so many voices that they can't pay you the way. You know, it's it exactly. kind of like yeah. There's a flood there of, of content, right. so yeah. The you know, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. <laughs> right, exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, I, you know, not to again derail this conversation more into something else, but NFTs also just like the whole idea of getting paid one time by you know an appreciator of your art for your art, not for the possession of it, but more just like you know, hey, I paid this much for it; it's in my collection. Um, that's certainly something that I like spend a lot of time thinking about because it seemed like a viable way to, you know, provide a living for myself through art. But at the same time, my ethical concern with it was like, I know there's a lot of like environmental concerns with the production of Ethereum and, you know, that whole thing. In addition to the idea of me selling something that isn't really you know if i if i sell it it doesn't really become the purchasers it's just like you know this is in your collection you get to show it off to people but in the metaverse like on the internet what does that mean you know it's yeah, not in it your house it it quickly went from a sort of democratic platform for artists to get paid for things that they do that were sort of quote unquote non-fungible that were just not you know IRLs yeah but it, it went from zero to 60 to like investments making tons of money you could strike it rich and no one really does and you know it just turned into a money grab thing and exactly and galleries are contacting me saying like what about this nft thing should we get in (laughs) on that and you're like wait a minute what the hell yeah you know (laughs) it it destroyed it's it'd be like you know david geffen being like wait what these basement shows i want to get in on the ticket sales of these things how do i do that yeah everybody just trying to exploit whatever they can in any way and it's unfortunately happening with happening with streaming now too in the sense that you know i've gotten offers from labels and just like small like vcs even who are willing to pay me up front for something and then have me take like a very small cut of what they are making on it so if this is happening to me i can't imagine you know the thousands of other people making music also being approached by these people trying to monetize off of every stream yeah on on just stuff that isn't theirs yeah it's really the wild west you know when it i mean it's like new territory and you know people trying to take advantage of it yeah you know i've the way i look at it it's all evens out it's like yeah. that Seinfeld where he like loses $20 and then it comes back. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's just right. all <laughs> evened out. Like if it's before there were issues and like some of those went away and new ones came up, it's like, you know, listen, if we can get through life surviving, making things we love to make, we win. Exactly. May not be the easiest thing in the world and it may, you know, but, but if we can get through life and look back and say, I did this stuff and I feel good about like that. I, loved making that or whatever. I mean that's you is it really better can't, than that? You know? yeah you really can't ask for more like the fact that you were granted the opportunity to make this stuff that you were able to do this stuff is that's 
more payment than you can ever, you know, ask for monetarily. Definitely. Except for doctors, they save lives. I get it. They're better yeah, people than of, we of are. Course. But, yeah, but yeah. other than that, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're not hey, we, saving we, any lives here. We're, yeah. we're like we're keeping ourselves happy or entertained. But yeah, yeah, doctors yeah. win. But other than for sure, that, for sure, this is the way to go. Yeah. <laughs> And we're, both of us specifically also chose this life over becoming a doctor. So, I mean, hey. <laughs> exactly. exactly. We, yeah. we could have, like, worked hard to make the world a better place, but we're making our world a better place. Yes. Which, in effect, butterfly effect, will make the world a better place. Exactly. You know, I think if everyone did what they love to do, the world would be a better place. Absolutely. There'd be much less people purposefully driving by that puddle to splash you on the way to work. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> you know people do it. They oh, see yeah. that puddle, and they're oh, like, yeah. I'm getting them. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to ruin this dude's day. He's never going to see it coming. It's happened to me plenty of times. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, yeah living, living in a city, you know, there's always going to be some guy looking out for you. Oh, but making what, sure... <laughs> that's what makes it fun, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so... All right, back to you. So, yes. Weird Inside, all platforms. Yep. Video stuff on YouTube, and it's on your site. Yep. Uh, site is weirdinsi.de. Weird ah, little you did domain the old German tweak there. Of course, yes. You know, I had to make it weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, weirdinsi.de for the site. Everything else is at Weird Inside. So, on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Everything should be like accessible from my website, but also on Spotify, Apple Music, every you know streaming platform that there is to be um, as Weird Inside. Nice. Um, and then I also have an ambient music side project called RRST, which is oh. also just on streaming. I didn't know that. Is that like promoted? Uh, kind of. Or I, is it on I, the down low? I didn't want to like really make a big deal out of it because I know a lot of people that uh, follow me, follow me for the stuff that I make as weird inside. Right. Um, but I did have a period in my life where I was just really enjoying making ambient music. Um, you know, just really, really uh, listening to like a lot of boards of Canada and stuff like that. And just, you know, trying to embody that. And uh, it was this cool idea that I had that I didn't really want to like, you know, pushing everyone's faces via the weird inside platform um but yeah it's it's there i've put out two projects under that so it's just it's cool like music to sleep to drive to etc nice sounds good well everyone should check it out it was it was great to chat with you thanks yeah, for taking the time and thanks course, for making man. the music because it's it's on a lot in the studio of course thank you for having me man really sure appreciate thing. it thanks yeah.